One Week Season. If you're like us, um, hopefully you're like Mike and not having to watch this abomination of a Thursday night game. Uh, what an ugly first half. That was uh, that was painful to watch. Um, but welcome to week six of the Edge Breakdown with Mike Johnson. Uh, we're going to go through a few of the games he's broken down so far, talk some DFS theory, talk about a couple other things we have going, and we're going to get rocking and rolling uh, right into it. One of uh, one of the things we're going to do is we're actually going to start with the uh, Bucks and the Steelers. And uh, interesting, you know, you talked about uh, you know kind of how last week went with with Buffalo and um, what they were able to do. You know, um, one of the things you know I noticed in in your breakdown was you talked about Brady threw the ball fifty two times. Uh, compared to only 29 Neil rushing plays, you know, a 73% passing rate. Um, in a game, they actually never trailed, right? So, you know, this is the lines we're seeing right now. Do, does, you know, does a motivated Tommy with some weapons back have, have the ability to get this done this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the the motivation factor sometimes I think is overplayed in the NFL because it's like, Every NFL team, every NFL player, they wouldn't be where they are if they needed extra motivation to right. be successful. Or the suggestion that they're extra motivated in certain weeks implies that other weeks they're they're not as motivated and they're just kind of showing up. Um, but you know, Tom Brady's been the best at his craft for a long time, or near the top of his craft for such right. a long time, and it's because of his consistency. So um, you see what he does. When he has his weapons, you could see the last two weeks since Godwin and Evans have returned. There's been a clear uh, delineation from the Bucks offense we saw to start the year. And I think that just continues. I think if you're a coach, if you're Tom Brady, uh, a preparation freak, you're looking at that that film from last week's Steelers-Bills game and just licking your chops, uh, just looking for ways that you can do the same thing and you can really tear the tear the lid off this thing. And as you alluded to, we've seen so many times in the past, the Bucks get a lead and they will keep their foot on the gas uh, deep into the game. They're not just going to be like we've seen the Eagles or some other teams this year where they get a, a comfortable halftime cushion and just kind of coast to the end. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm interested to see how this game's going to lay out. Um, who do you have so far? Have you got far enough to see uh, possible bring back on on the Steelers? Are we are you liking Pickens again, or we like DJ? Where where are you at there? Yeah, I think Deontay and Pickens are the clear options there. I think that Deontay's price continues to drop. It's a tough matchup with the Buccaneers. They have, I believe, the number one ranked DVOA pass defense, and. But Deontay Johnson's a baller. He has he's proven it throughout his career. Right. Um, the the uh, the breakdown of targets last week among the for the receiving trio for the the Steelers was fairly even across the board. Claypool 
Pickens and Deontay, they all, uh, they all saw a decent amount of targets and they were, that was the majority of uh, Kenny Pickett's targets were to the, his receivers, not so much to the tight ends or running backs. I know Fryer Muth's also in, it appears the concussion protocol at this yeah. point. So yeah, yes. he's got to be really questionable. And I think it's just a volume play. And as I talked about a little bit in the breakdown, I, I look like to look at the approach of the coaches, the mindset, and Mike Tomlin doesn't strike me as a particularly uh, fearful type of coach. Right. And he has to look at this game and see how, how poorly the Steelers running game has been. And throughout this year and recognize the reality of his defense. His defense has only had three sacks in the last four weeks. They had seven in week one when TJ Watt got hurt against the Bengals and they've only got three in the last four weeks and they haven't put any pressure on the quarterback. And when you don't put pressure on Tom Brady, he's going to pick you apart. So the Steelers, Tomlin's got to enter this game and know that to have a chance to win, he's going to have to score three-plus touchdowns. He's going to need to score 24, 27 points. And to do that, he can't come out just pound, just wasting possessions, pounding Najee Harris for two yards in a cloud of dust. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting because if the Steelers do come out aggressively, I talked about in my breakdown as well about how their best drive of the of the week last week was their opening drive. They went right. 50 some yards on a scripted drive and then things kind of got out of hand from there. But if they can get an opening drive or an early drive to, and, and get a, or get a big play where they score a touchdown and then maybe get a field goal in the second half, this game gets into halftime at 20 to 10 and then they get lucky on something early in the second half. All of a sudden some, a game that a lot of people think, Oh, maybe it'll be 28 to 10 like it could end up as a 45 to 24 game and you know now you're cooking right it's um i'm interested to see if they can get that going i like uh i like looking at as i'm starting to look at this game today i like some of where this is going right i mean you have to love the bucks and you know we'll get to it at the end right but the the rematch up uh of one of the best football games any of us has ever watched right uh with the chiefs and the bills. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but right. There's, you know, there's a lot of other teams and you kind of talked about, right. There's a lot of other teams on this and games on this slate that if that game wasn't the focus, uh, this would be a, I think a much more interesting slate, but, uh, I can't wait to see some ownership projections and see where, uh, see where that goes. Um, so one of the things we pulled up is one, everybody to be able to see kind of how one week season, breaks this all down. So um, this gives you a breakdown of like all the games. We have all the matchups. You have Mike, you have Mark, um, you have Pappy, you have a bunch of different people breaking them down. And this kind of gives the totals and it lets you go in and take a look and break down like where we're going to go with each game. Um, so next we're going to get to uh, what I think can end up being an interesting game this week, right? The, the Browns and the, and the Patriots. Uh, why the total isn't high to start, um, you know, one of the things you brought up and talked about is, you know, like the Browns really could be five and oh right now, like, and, and pretty easily. Um, but, you know, that defense is terrible, right? Um, you know, they rank 30th in Dova. So, um, you know, 
while Brissett has done a better job than any of us expected, uh, and right, the offensive line's great. Um, do you see a road where you know the the Patriots can get going in the running game um, down the road? Do you like Pierre this week? Um, you know, with Harris out, what what are your similar thoughts here? Yeah, it'll be interesting, right? Because last week, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, they were in a great spot against the Lions. Harris goes out, Stevenson handles all the backfield touches, and he had a monster game. But now it'll be interesting because there there were no other running backs active for the Patriots last week. This week, it looks like Pierre Strong's kind of going to be that number two running back. Um, And you look at his skill set, and he's – more of a pass catching back, more of a the out in space type guy. So the Patriots, they're not going to give, if they're going to lean heavily on their running backs and they're not going to give Ramondre 35 touches, which if Harris's health is in question, right. they don't want to run Ramondre into the ground either. Now I think I'll be surprised if Ramondre doesn't see 20 touches, but I'd be surprised if he gets too far over 25 as well. So um It'll be an interesting spot. Both defenses are very poor against the run, and both teams want to run the ball. So it's an interesting spot where usually when you have two run-focused teams, you think, kind of as the total implies, you think of a low-scoring game, just going to kind of grind it out. But it's an interesting spot because these running teams have the ability to break off big plays. They have explosive running backs. They have very good um, running games where they can run the ball and get down the field as fast as some teams do passing the ball. And so that really opens things up in a a lot of ways. Um, I'm a little interested to see how Bailey Zappi does this week because I think the first week against the Packers, it was kind of a weird situation. He came in, the defense made some plays the Packers kind of tried to choke it away. He was all right. Last week, he didn't really have to do anything. The Lions were just so awful. Um, I know the Browns' defense hasn't been great, but uh, if the Browns' offense can get out to a lead and force Zappi to have to play from behind, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, how he does. Zappi and Cooper Rush are both guys who have come in and won games as backups. And then all of a sudden people are talking about, you know, quarterback controversy. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, this is what separates the quarterbacks is who can, who can get it done on the road, having to score points, play from behind. So it, it'll be a really interesting spot from that perspective. For sure. Um, what do you think of Chubb and Hunt this week? You know, the Patriots Rundy has been terrible as well this year. Um, you know, they're not the mighty Patriots Rundy of, of past Belichick uh, defenses. Um, how do you feel about working them into this game? Yeah, I think Chubb is always, you know, he's an excellent bet to have a very good game. And it's just a matter of at his price tag, he has to have a truly elite game to make you pay for not playing him. So at 8,000 on DraftKings or whatever he is. So last week he scored, he had 135 yards, scored two touchdowns. It's a great game, right? But that's 28 DraftKings points, three and a half X his salary. Now that's good, but you know, he still needs, if that's not good enough to where his sat at his salary, it's breaking you for not playing him. 
it becomes tough. Now, I do think he's an interesting play as some leverage off Ramondre Stevenson. Um, Looking at that Ramondre Stevenson play, um, one thing that it'll be in my player grid this week, one thing that he's going to be very chalky. He's going to be 40 to 50% owned possibly Um, at least 30%. It looks like, and everyone, you know, talks about, Oh, I got to fade this guy yet. But like, he's, he's a beast and he's getting the backfield to himself. He had all this preseason love for a reason. And now he's playing, you know, the Browns defense, which I believe is dead last in uh, run grade PFF run grade and uh, DVOA against the run. So it's like, I mean, this is a great spot. He's not necessarily a guy I want to fade. Um, So how do you play that? Well, to me, the way I look at that is if he is able to have a game that makes it worth playing the chalk and, and all that, an interesting way to play it is I like Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, He's only 3,900 on DraftKings this week. And if you look at the games that, uh, for the Browns receiving core, him and Amari Cooper are their top two guys. Right Now, Amari's uh, biggest games have been, he's had three very good games, and those games have all been against teams that play a lot of zone coverage. He struggled a lot against in week one against the Panthers when they put um, they played more man and put their top corner on him. And he also struggled in, uh, what was it, week four. I forget who they played offhand. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but uh, his two games were, oh, it was the Falcons. They put A.J. Terrell on him, oh, and, that's right. yep. and he sh- shadowed him. And historically, Amari Cooper throughout his career has always been very sensitive to that kind of coverage. Well, you look at the Patriots. They're one of the top two teams in the league in man coverage rate, yep. and they're going to be selling out to stop the run. Well, if you look at the games where Amari Cooper struggled, Donovan Peoples-Jones had – his biggest games, he had 11 and nine targets and he's a, he's a big play. We've seen him get there on less targets in the past. So you're going to have a Browns rushing attack, breaking off chunk plays and pulling uh, safeties and linebackers near the line of scrimmage. And it's going to set up play action passing. And I think Donovan Peoples Jones could have a, a monster week. And you look at that paired with a guy like Ramondre and you just, you see that game flow where, okay, Ramondre breaks off some big plays. He's smashing. And who does he bring with him from the Browns? And either Peoples-Jones or Njoku are the guys I see. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a lot lower on Njoku this week just because of how how I think they're going to try to cover him and shut him down. Um, I, I, I definitely like to pivot off of Peoples-Jones on this. And I think it's uh, some interesting leverage for sure. So... Uh, we're going to move on here too. <laughs> I literally, I literally laughed out loud like this when I saw what you wrote up about this game. So, <laughs> uh, this was great. So Mike called this the pillow fight. <laughs> so, uh, he was like, and rightfully so, right? Like this is, I mean, the Rams as someone in season long that has a bunch of a Rob, Ooh, that hurts. Uh, someone that has an okay amount of Satford, um, man, that hurts. It was, uh, you know, it's the Higby and Cup show. Um, and I read some interesting things you wrote up though uh, on this game, and I, I want to talk about that uh, real quick. It's in um, Walker. You talked about Walker's first start, right? 
DJ Moore had a stat line of one rush for 24 yards, seven reception for 127 on 11 targets. And Samuel had eight receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown, right? CMC didn't play that game. We know the next game CMC came back and went off. But, I mean, as a DJ Moore truther, uh, is there any viability to play him this week with, with Walker getting the start? Yeah, I mean, I think that a guy of DJ Moore's talent at the price point he's dropped to and the fact that he's going to be low-owned every week, he has to be at least in some consideration. And you look at the game flow, the likely game flow of them playing from behind, and yeah, he he has to be in consideration. It doesn't take much for a guy that's priced right around 5K to get to a 25-point game with his skill set. you know. Um, and Baker Mayfield, he he's hurt. Obviously... Matt Rule had to know he was fighting for his job. So he's playing extra conservatively. He's just hanging on by a thread, trying to keep things close, right? He He's not right. wanting to – he was just trying to last as long as he could. Um, Mayfield clearly was out of sync and wasn't comfortable. And, yeah, P.J. Walker's been there before. This is a guy who – you know, you, I talked before about mindsets and – the mindset of a guy like him who's come through the XFL has got to be an underdog. He's going to go out there and he's not going to be afraid. He's going to try to make the most of his opportunity. Well, the best thing you can do in that spot is lean on the two studs you got looking at you in the huddle. And that's DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, it'll be a really interesting spot. He's, he's done a good job in his limited time on the field of getting the ball to the right guys in the right spots. So he's PJ Walker's not going to be the guy that sets the world on fire. But there's a chance that against this Rams uh, heavy zone coverage, he can get the ball to the right guys, and then they can make a couple people miss. Yeah, it's um, it's funny you say that about rule. One of the things that really blew me away, right, and everybody talked about it this week and in, in fantasy Twitter is right. All that money rules guaranteed, right? Like I never understood the and he played that way, right? His coaching style each year has just gotten worse. And, uh, you know, if I want to get Hilo fired up, I'll just bring up Matt Rule and, right, I'll just let him go like the Tasmanian Devil uh, cartoons, right? Um, But it's fair, but I never understood that behind him because why not take advantage? Like, your money's guaranteed. You're getting paid. Like, go try to win Um, with, you know, uh, you know, their defense has been solid, but man, uh, you know, that that offense has not been fun to watch. Speaking of not fun to watch, <laughs> my, my quote is uh, everyone gets in for free, right? Uh, right. The, the biggest issue, you know, as you said, is the offensive line, right? They allowed five sacks last week. Stafford had three turnovers. You know, the Rams offensive line is 31 in PFF, 27 in adjusted sack rate. Like I, they, it's a, it's actually offensive how bad their offensive line is this year in comparison. Um, and so, right. Cup's always yeah. there, but like at his price point, right. Like you just talked about earlier, right. Like how big a week, right. Cup's got to have a, you know, got to have a nine for 203 TDs to pay at his price point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And You know, you never want to say that like a 30 point game is like a bad thing. It doesn't kill you. Um, But the point I like to look at it from is if I don't play this certain guy, 
what does he have to score to where it's like, oh, shoot. Oh, motion sensor. Yeah. All right, there we go. Uh, what, does, what does a guy have to put up to make you pay to to make it so that I can't win because I didn't play him? You know, and that's, like you said, he, he would need like a 12 for 190 and two, you know, to, to really be like, oh, shoot, like I, I messed up not playing him. Um, now, there certainly is – there's a lot with the Rams passing game that it's looked really, really dire, but we also need to remember it's just a five-week sample size at this point. Another thing I talked about in the write-up, in the three Rams losses, they played the Cowboys, the Bills, and the 49ers. Those defenses are ranked first, second, and seventh in the NFL in pass rush. So, yeah, their offensive line isn't – isn't as good as it was last year. They're struggling, but who they've played makes a big difference, you know? And there's, there's also the, and then you look at their other two games, the games they won, they played the Cardinals and the Falcons. Now they, I think they scored 20 and 27 points in those games. Right. Okay. Let's look at those teams. They rank 30th and 31st in pass, pass rush grade. Now they play the Panthers this week or 21st, which, you know, it's bottom bottom 12 in the league. And, you know, this is a spot they're at home and, and it's the best spot that the, the Rams have been in since week two. So um, it has looked really dire the last two weeks. You play the Cowboys, everybody, everybody pays attention to Cowboys games and saw how bad it was. They played on Monday night against the Niners, looked terrible. But the reality is... They don't play the Cowboys and Niners this week. They get a team that just fired their coach and lost their quarterback and is is traveling, you know, four hours across the country to to play in what it's early, but what you can pretty much call a lost season. I don't think Steve Wilkes is and PJ Walker are are the uh changing changing the ship here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think they're they're going there. So, um, so let's get to the game of the week, right? The game everybody's had circled on their calendar. Uh, the game everybody's looking forward to after last year's uh, championship. Uh, we got the Bills at the Chiefs, and right there's so many directions and so many ways to go here. Um, but I think one of the things you really talked about is um, the Bills defense versus the chiefs offense right um the fact that they're basically buffalo doesn't have to blitz and they're getting to the quarterback right they're almost dead last in blitz rate and it's because they don't have to right they get to drop you know into that shell zone coverage um and and play that defense um how do you see attacking that if you're the chiefs right if right you, you brought it up right andy Reid knows this Right. Like, what do you what do you think from a coaching perspective uh, they're going to look at trying to do? Well, I think they have to be realistic with themselves. They have to know who they are. They have to know who they're playing. So right. the reality is that the Chiefs are number one in the league in scoring offense this year. Right. However. They really haven't been that great. They've been very good, but they haven't been. Every, I think a lot of people look at that number one scoring offense and think, oh, they lost Tyreek, so what? The, they're still the same old Chiefs. They're dominant. They're scoring. But the reality is 
They're ninth in the league in points per play. They're third in the league in red zone percentage, which they've just been very, very effective at scoring in the red zone. Now they're facing the Bills team, who is one of the best defenses in the the league in red zone defense. Um, The Bills defense has given up 61 total points this season. 14 of those points, seven were against the Ravens and seven against the Dolphins were on turnovers early in the game that set the other team up inside the 10-yard line. So really, you're talking about a five-game sample where they're barely allowing teams to score. And you look at the Chiefs personnel-wise, they don't really have an explosive running game. Travis Kelsey, he had a monster game, four touchdowns for a fantasy perspective, but he had like 30 yards. Yeah, we're not um, going to talk about that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I know that's right touchy subject. Yeah, <laughs> we're. Then, you I look at I didn't have that prop. Like, you look at their You look at their wide receiving core, and they don't have a wide receiver with a recept or a touchdown reception yet this year. They also don't have any of their receivers really creating consistent separation. So now they're facing a really good defense, and it's like how how are they going to move the ball consistently? And I think they also have to recognize that this Bills offense is going to score points. So it's interesting, the Chiefs playing at home, but they're probably going to want to slow this game down. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested to see if they, right, if they go three-headed monster a little bit more at running back with, you know, using Pacheco more this game, right? And like you said, try to get that tempo slowed down. Um you know, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see on how right, like how the Bills wanna attack this, right? Because what's the rule with with Josh Allen? Always play Josh Allen and pay up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, it's wild. Um, he he had the game he did last week and is he's the same price this week. Yeah, I'm I was totally surprised by that yeah. in like the highest total game on the slate, right? Yeah. Like uh it that always that almost always red flags me a hair, right? Um, just like when I see one of the things I've really been looking at that I've noticed, like example, Monday night, um, these, you know, we're going to talk about props for a second. Our, our prop package has done really well this year. Um, but one of the things you'll see is these outliers, like they had uh, Watson on the books for three and a half yards. For a wide receiver, it's one catch, right? Now, Keep in mind, he hadn't had a reception in the two games before that, but all of a sudden they go in and he has that prop line, right? Like he's on there. Like I start asking myself, what, what does Vegas know that they're putting him on there? And what I've found through like my history of my notes and looking at everything is you tend to find on these lower owned guys is they know, right? They're getting insider info from game plans of, you know, these NFL teams and they're, they're going to take that and try to get that, you know, that money on that under, right? Because they're like, oh, the guys are going to, you know, they're going to look at it and say, hey, man, he hasn't has caught a pass in two weeks. Um, so I'm interested to see from the Bills side, like, how do the, you know, Gabe went nuclear again. Um, Twitter for Gabe Davis is one of my favorite things to watch because <laughs> people are so emotional about it, um, right? But, you know, he's going to make him keep, you know, you're going to want to double digs. Davis is going to burn you. Um, you know, it looks like McKenzie will be back. What are your thoughts on, you know, attacking this from the Bills side and, and how do you see stacking it? I, it's really interesting. The injury report will play a lot in it. Um, 
you look at last year's games. So they played twice last year. Everybody remembers the playoff game that went nuclear 42-36. That second half was that was like the the best hour and a half of football watching in my life. Right. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was just like wild. That it was it was like watching your buddies play Madden, you know, you get home from the bars and you fire up Madden and guys are just trading touchdowns. And it, it was pretty wild. And everyone remembers that game. But there was also they played earlier in the year and the Bills won 38 to 20. And I think that this game probably has a greater likelihood of that outcome than it does of that playoff game outcome. Now, right. from the Bills side, you mentioned Gabe. He's going to force defenses to not overcommit. But now you've got both of those wide receivers drawing a lot. And one of the things I talked about in my write-up is the Chiefs defense has kind of adjusted to their opponent so far. They're middle of the road in blitz rate. They're middle of the road in man versus zone. So you look at their opponent, what are they going to try to do here? As I said before, I think they try to slow things down, just keep it close and not get boat raced. And that's by playing more zone, dropping guy, more guys into coverage. Well, what does that open up? Well, last year, I believe Dawson Knox had 100 yards and two touchdowns in that regular season meeting. Yep. If he is, if he's active, he, he's a really interesting piece. And then I think the Khalil Shakir thing is interesting. He played so well. Yep. Does he still, I think he's, he's going to still see some, a decent amount of snaps uh, next to, you're rotating with Isaiah McKenzie. So it's a tough game, but that's also why I think that this game might the the bills might have lower ownership than what you would expect outside of Allen um, and probably digs. It, it's tough to figure out, but that uncertainty is what's going to keep the ownership down. So that's where you've just got to uh, take some stands. And, you know, like I said, Dawson Knox is a guy I, I'd be interested in, especially if he can get a Friday full practice in. I think it's wheels up for him at his low price tag. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting. And I also think Gabe Davis, there's a lot of like leveling that goes on and there's a lot of like overthinking and the way that a lot of thought processes, a lot of people's thought processes have gone is, okay, he hit last week, but he's had all these other duds. So He's not, you know, he just had the monster game last week. I'm not going to chase the points. Um, but, you know, he's going to have three or four really big games this year. And there's no rule that it can't happen two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I did really well last week. I, I And I was really close to making life-changing money. Uh, and part of it came, I, I made one play wrong. And that was, it wasn't variance. It wasn't anything else. It was... I should have played it differently and I kind of overthought it, but right. It was that Gabe Davis, Shakir, you know, Allen. And then I had Eckler, Chubb, Mike will. Right. Um, and I just, you know, I didn't get, you know, with Herbert and Allen and just didn't get them all, uh, all levied up. Right. It was, uh, it was close. I mean, I did really well. I, I was very successful last week, but, uh, mm-hmm. right. We're, we're all playing to win the big one, not, uh, right. Not any other way around. Right. Um, so what game this weekend, I know you wrote these up. What game are you most excited though for this weekend? Uh, even if you uh, haven't got a chance to do a write up on one yet. I'm really interested to see this Bengals saints game. Okay. I, 
I just I'm really interested to see where the Bengals are at. Um, there's two guys specifically, Jamar Chase and Alvin Kamara. You know, I Kamara had almost 30 touches last week. Taysom stole the show, but is do we have old Alvin Kamara back now? Uh, you know, we we definitely could. Um, and then on the Bengals side, they've you know they're coming off uh, again that they're, they're like the Rams. They they're still living in a haze from the Super Bowl, I guess. But um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in this matchup. The Saints possibly without Marshawn Lattimore. And, you know, Jamar Chase is, is a guy who it seems like right when everybody wants to forget about him and you have this laundry list of reasons why, like, OK, I'm out. He's too expensive, this, that and the other. That's when he makes you pay. So uh, that's a game I'm really interested to see, specifically those two um, outcomes. I'm also kind of interested for that Jets Packers game to see how the Packers respond, which it's kind of quietly, it's, I believe the third highest total on the slate and not really anybody's going to be talking about it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, where are we at here? Uh, we're at 45 right now. Okay. So it dropped. It was at 46 at one point. Yeah. It's come down just a hair. So, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting. You've got Brees Hall, uh, you know, he's obviously an emerging star. Yeah. You've got, uh, really good receiving receivers who the Packers pass defense has really struggled. I saw a stat by Warren Sharp this week that the Packers uh, pass defense is number one against opposing offenses when they don't run play action and they're number 32 in the league facing play action. Uh, The Packers also, I live in Wisconsin, so people have been talking about it all week. They keep getting dusted on these crossing routes, these deep crossers and you know, that's kind of right in Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson's wheelhouses. So it'll be interesting. I think the jets could, could move the ball here. And then on the Packers side, um, you know, they're, they're home favorites. And, you know, I think this could be a spot where they look to get back involved with uh, Aaron Jones and, and look at their best offensive game of the year. It was a similar spot home against the bears and Aaron Jones had, had a ceiling game there. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up here this week. Um, one of the things we have going at OWS is you'll see our uh, props insider chat for NBA is getting ready to kick off. Um, so the team, myself included, have had uh, really successful NBA seasons in the past and uh It'll all be documented, and you can come try it out. Come check out the Discord. Uh, you can see a week. It's going to be Monday through Friday um, for official picks because you can't run seven days a week on on NBA, or you'll just you'll want to not do it ever again. Um, so, I want to thank you for uh, coming on today, Mike, and everybody. Stay tuned. We're going to be putting out a lot more content this week. Absolutely. Good luck, everybody.